lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Managing Editor Chase Bryson. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Ben Enos. We've got a lot to go over in this one, but first, whoo boy, hopefully everyone has recovered from a wild section championship weekend that saw 12 different titles decided by single digit margins, including three by one point. But before we get to all that, Ben, how was your Thanksgiving? And did Chef Ben prepare anything for the Enos family feast? Hello, everyone in internet land. Thanksgiving was good. Yes, Thanksgiving was good. Lots of football early in the day. Trip to Fairfield to see the family and then more football to end the day. How can you go wrong? Uh, To answer your question, I did, in fact, produce a caramelized onion dip as an appetizer. So, yes, cooking was involved, but not nearly to the level of those who we celebrated with. They did the heavy lifting, including an incredible turkey from my brother-in-law. But here is where I insert my scorn for the podcast partner who exclaimed early in the weekend, uh, this holiday weekend, that it was his week to do our show outline, then sent a late Saturday night text asking me to split the work so he could go to the 49er game. Like a sad puppy dog he came across (laughs) over the text message thread. But as our listeners know by now, everything I do, I do it for them. On that note, my bitterness meter has finally reached 2021 levels, so we are in for a good show this week, my friends. But first, Chase, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you start to cook the turkey and then call in some relief help so you could study the bumblebees in your backyard? (laughs) We had a good, albeit small, gathering uh, with my wife's side of the family and with my father-in-law a bit under the weather, I was asked to carve the turkey for the first time. So that was, that was different. I don't think it went terrible. Uh, there was enough for people to eat. So that's good. I got to use the electric knife too, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I hadn't used that before. It was, that was smooth. Have you ever carved a tur- turkey, Ben? No, can't say that I have. There are some mountains that I have yet to climb and that is one <laughs> of them. All right. So like I said, at the top, we have a lot to cover today, but before we do, We have some exciting news we do want to share. The pod will be going on the road for the CIF State Bowl Games in SoCal this year. We're juiced about it, and we'll be unveiling a special state championship we schedule during next Tuesday's show. Ben, will you be taking a football to have signed by St. John Bosco's 22 starters? It may fetch a pretty good price on eBay in four years. Of course, because I'm that guy. (laughs) I mean, if we're being honest, I don't know that I own an actual football. Maybe they would sign an inflatable water polo ball. I got that. (laughs) That'd be unique. Yeah. You'd walk up. It'd be like uh, media day at the Super Bowl. You walk up with something random. I could, I I feel like media day at the Super Bowl would be where I could really shine. I think that's true. Me and Guillermo. (laughs) Let's jump into the section championship bonanza that occurred Friday and Saturday. We both covered games on Friday and then. We're monitoring tweets and the NFHS streams for much of Saturday. Let's start with your thoughts from what ended up being a really good game between El Cerrito and Windsor. Yes, I was dispatched to Chile, Benicia, California to take in the NCS Division Three final between Windsor and El Cerrito. Now, as some know and some do not, I've begun to become an aspiring photojournalist this year. I tell folks 
that I'm trying to add to my saleable assets, but my earning potential does remain limited. Um, I'm opening with that because I have to offer an apology before I get started. I want to apologize to Windsor's Hayden Anderson. I was wandering around taking photos, trying to get my lighting right, you know, doing all the things that my friend Joe Carl has taught me. And I noticed that Hayden was sitting alone on the sideline benches. To me, I thought he was deep in thought about the game to come. So I took a couple of photos of him that actually came out really nice. Now, the game got started and Hayden wasn't on the field. So I began to wonder what was up and it hit me. Young Hayden was not deep in thought. He was deep in trying not to hurl. It actually cost him a portion of the game. So Hayden, my bad man, for standing there taking photos while you were trying to hold it together. That's on me. I got you next year. Don't worry. (laughs) Now, on to the game. El Cerrito looked really, really good for about two and a half quarters. Tony McAdoo is one of the region's top runners, and he was as dynamic as ever. El Cerrito's defense is as advertised, and I thought their physicality really set the tone early. But you have to credit Windsor for pushing the Gauchos right to the end. Hayden Anderson did eventually get back on the field. Major props to him. And when he was there, you could tell they were so much more multiple and dynamic. His brother, Judson Anderson, did a nice job of managing the offense, running it when he needed to. And I just thought the Jags really showed their fortitude in coming back. Ultimately, El Cerrito made the play needed to at the end with a Kamani Jackson interception to seal it. And they are in the section title fair and square. Good times in gaucho land. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, So that was my game. Let's give you a chance to wax poetic about what sounded like a kind of ho-hum NCS Division One game between Pittsburgh and Clayton Valley. And I might have to write a letter to the Pirates explaining why I don't see them anymore. I need someone from Gen Z to tell me the best way to send a message with emojis that conveys the same thing as a breakup letter you might have drafted on your own personal stationery in the mid-2000s. Like, that's how I would do it. I mean, guys, it's it's not you, it's me. But, <laughs> but maybe it's not me. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe there's a third party. I don't know. Anyway, how did your game go? <laughs> well, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell it like that, you could go to Saturday's game. Oh, I know my place. It's raining. I know my place. <laughs> Wild horses would have to drag you from that game. Are you're you welcome kidding me? To come to that game with me. Oh, now we're now we're really <laughs> crazy. All right. We shall see. So yes, a very different game than yours, but yeah, the Pirates landed a second straight NCS title to keep Coach Victor Galley's final run alive for another week. Uh, we talk all the time about the offensive weapons on the Pirates, but the defense deserved all the love for the thir- that 13-3 win over Clayton Valley. Odero Akaka and Juju Walls were constantly in the backfield. Linebacker Gio Ania made some big tackles, and Zach Card had at least three pass deflections in coverage. Really competitive effort uh, from everybody uh, on that defense. And, oh yeah, those weapons still made a few big plays. I thought Washington-bound wideout Rashid Williams had a really nice night, and Boise State-bound Kai Taylor made an exceptional one-handed juggling TD catch that made a two-score game mid-third quarter. And I got to shout out the Clayton Valley defense, too, because they used a lot of multiple fronts. They caused a lot of confusion, uh, especially in the first half. They did make it difficult for the Pirates, and and Coach Victor Galli flat out admitted they they gave us a scare. Um, but it wasn't all glowing 
for Pittsburgh, though, as if you've read my story, you know, the Pirates still had 13 penalties in the game, 10 in the first half. That's just crazy. Obviously, they have to clean that up if they want if they want to beat Manteca this week and punch a ticket to SoCal. So were there any section final results that stood out to you um, or caught you by surprise? Well, first of all, uh, I, I find you saying the same things that I said the last time I saw Clayton Valley. Uh, the defense schemed their way into uh, good performance, and that's coaching. I've the, obviously, the guy's got to go out there and do it, but um, credit to the Clayton Valley coaches um, yep. and credit to Pittsburgh for once again um, overcoming their penalty woes. Although I will give them credit. Ten in the first half, that means only three in the second half, <laughs> yes. right? They got yes. better. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Surprising results. Um, I, I guess the answer is Clear Lake, but yeah. you, paid, you paid a little bit more attention to that, so I'm going to let you talk about that. I wasn't surprised by much else, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I want to give some credit to those plucky Pinole Valley Spartans yes. for picking up a section title and moving on to the Division Seven AA title game. How's this for a surprise? Not one, but two. West Contra Costa Unified School District schools are participating this weekend. That is surprising to this WCCUSD alum. That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. So, Clear Lake, you were telling me about the end of this game against St. Vincent. So, yeah, I wasn't following this uh, Division Seven championship between St. Vincent and Clear Lake uh, on any stream, so I didn't. I don't have names of the big plays or anything like that. I, I saw that St. Vincent, which was the number one seed, was rolling in the first quarter. They went up 27-13, and then Clear Lake just started just chipping away, um, and they outscored them 15-0 in the fourth quarter and scored the they scored the touchdown. They scored the game-winning touchdown, which wasn't I mean, technically the game was a game-winning two-point conversion, but they scored the touchdown with 17 seconds left and then added a two-point conversion to win 56-55 in what just sounded like an absolute thriller uh, from what I was reading on Twitter. So big win there for uh, Clear Lake, which was the two-seed. So it wasn't like it was a massive upset, but um, I think a lot of people expected St. Vincent to to roll in that game. So good for Clear Lake, man. And that was one of, like I said at the top, that was one of three games decided by one point over uh over NorCal. So Houston beat Somerville of Tuolumne 14 to 13 and then we also had Escalon beat uh Sonora 35-34. And that was a game that was right down the wire too, really good. Yeah. Absolutely. So obviously some really good teams went down <laughs> went down this week. Did you have a favorite or two that you're going to uh, that you were that you're gonna miss now that they're that they're gone? This is our yeah. in memoriam segment. Let's queue up Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin, I will remember you. <laughs> Well, I won't be singing Sarah McLaughlin this week. Don't worry, <laughs> America. Um, I mean, come on. If you had to wager all the money that you had in your bank account on what team I was going to say right now, what would you say? I would say it'd be Team Dash and Mash. This would be the Campolindo Cougars <laughs> and the Dash and Mash show. Yeah. I mean, and and again, this is not a surprise. We picked Campo last week as a pod, but we were we had like every caveat in the Western hemisphere. <laughs> like we were very cognizant that this might happen because let's face it, 
San Ramon Valley was the number one seed. Luke Baker might be the best quarterback in Northern California. And I mean, <laughs> this is no surprise. Um, I think the reason I say that it's a fallen team that you'll miss is because Campo always such has always has such a good spirit behind them. And they're, you know, it, it's a program that does everything the right way. And we've known them for a long time. So, you know, you toss them in, but San Ramon has a heck of a game this week on home soil. Looking forward to that and more than worthy of where they are now. So sure. uh, good on the wolves. I think maybe the runner up prize for me goes to a game that you mentioned. It's Sonora. Yeah. I mean, I mean they had a great season and you lose by a point to Escalon. Um, Sonora is going to have a guy playing on Saturdays, Roger Alderman. So, you know, it's, that's a program that maybe doesn't deserve to be sitting this week, but that's what happens when you get in the playoffs. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, um, I, I was thinking about this. I mean, obviously Campo w- would be on the list for me too, but I, I was a little disappointed because it's a story that we didn't really get to dive into a whole lot. We've definitely mentioned them multiple times on the show, but, uh, Archbishop Mitty and what they did this year um, was really impressive. And uh, they had a almost impossible task going up against Sarah, obviously, but they hung with them for like a quarter and a half. And I had to chuckle that uh, I was reading the uh, Darren Sabedra tweet and he called him Danny and the miracles, which I <laughs> the miracle monarchs. I like that. <laughs> it was great. So um, that would have been fun to see them, to see them, uh, continue their season because that was it seemed like it was a special one and they've got um they're gonna be good next year too i think they've got a lot of building blocks so all right uh enough rewind let's get to this week's matchups in what will be a point of contention throughout our recordings all week i was at levi stadium sunday watching another defensive slugfest coincidentally when the norcal matchups were announced thus i see it only fair that you lead off in sharing first impressions because you actually saw them first yeah, maybe I'll take the high road for the moment rather than making fun of your white cloth fueled excursion <laughs> to Levi's Stadium. Shout out to Sports Stars contributor Jim McHugh for teaming up with me to help shame you throughout the game for having fun instead of sitting at home looking at brackets and whatnot like I was. That picked my day up. So thank you, Jim, for helping me. Uh, yes, first impressions. Uh, you know what? I tend to get a little bit melancholy during this week of the season. At this point, I think we've seen the best football we're going to see. The section championships have always been and will always be the best in high school football because those are community-based. Those are rival schools always taking on each other. These next two weeks are something different. It's not bad. It's just different. Like, take the Saturday games that we've been talking about. I could go watch San Ramon Valley and Marin Catholic, which is sure to be a good game. But this week isn't the end goal for either of those teams. If you lose in NorCal, do you celebrate that you got to NorCal? No, you celebrate that you won a section title. So you rewind it a week. I do, though, as I rain on everyone's parade with rain in the forecast, I do think there are some really intriguing games. So I think Grant El Cerrito is great. I think Vanden at Bellarmine is really good. And I think Menlo at San Marin is actually pretty great too. So there's good football to be seen, but uh, count me in the, the camp that last week was the pinnacle of the high school football season, at least for me from the outside. The one that stood out to me was Manteca at Pittsburgh, just because I've seen, 
I've seen both of those teams and uh, Pittsburgh multiple times now. Um, and I've seen what times like six, seven, (laughs) the whole season. (laughs) Stop it. Has it, it's been three, right? Three. All right. Jeez. I can't count. (laughs) Jeez. Um, but I, I know what Blake Nicholson could do on the field, and I'm really excited to see. And and obviously, just coming off of that Pittsburgh game that I watched where that defense was lights out, I'm really excited to see how Blake Nicholson can can handle a, a defense like Pittsburgh. So. That, uh, the Pittsburgh-Manteca game, obviously, I didn't mention because it was too obvious. <laughs> and I don't do it obvious anymore. Um, but... It's strength on strength, which is always, you know, they say styles make fights in boxing, and it is the immovable object on offense for Manteca against a defense that we have talked about literally all season in yeah. Pittsburgh. So, yeah, that's that no amount of rain will wash, wash away <laughs> how good a matchup that is for sure. And, and we talked about it all week last week, Pittsburgh Liberty, a pier-headed to play each other again. Well, guess what, sports fans? If Pittsburgh wins this week, guess who's probably waiting for them next week? <laughs> oh, geez. It may be Liberty of <laughs> Bakersfield just in a state game rather than a NorCal game. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a lot to lot still to happen over the next two weeks. That's for sure. Let's talk, let's, let's talk to somebody about this stuff. Yeah, you know, we're talking too much ourselves. We weren't going to let a big game week get by us, and because I follow the smaller schools exclusively now, <laughs> let's throw a curveball to you fine folks. Did you know that there is a game in Folsom, California this week? Well, there is, and our guest this week will actually be coaching in it, not even consulting. That segment comes later, but actually coaching. This week, we welcome the head coach of the Sac Joaquin section, Division I champion, Folsom, Paul Doherty. Coach Doherty has his Bulldogs ready for the latest installment in the De La Salle-Folsom rivalry, so we checked in to see what he thinks this chapter in their epic tale might hold. Let's listen in. Well, now we'd like to welcome in Folsom coach Paul Doherty. Just three days removed from winning his second Sac Joaquin Session Division I championship in four years at the helm, but only three of those years had playoffs, so two for three. Uh, Coach Doherty's squad is 12-1, and one, have won 11 straight, and play host to NorCal rival De La Salle this Friday night for a ticket to next week's CIF 1AA State Bowl game at Saddleback College in Mission VAO. Lots going on, so thanks for joining us, Coach. For sure. Appreciate you having me. Well, let's start with how we got here. Last week, your guys picked up a 23-13 win over Oak Ridge to claim the SJS Division One title. Given that you guys were shorthanded in a number of skill spots, what impressed you the most about the win and the way in which you guys were able to get it done? Yeah, just uh, I wouldn't say I was impressed. I mean, I, we expected guys to step up like they have all year. I think I was just happy for those kids to be able to showcase what we knew they were capable of doing for all years they've been here. The guys that stepped up are four-year Folsom guys, 17, Slade Wilson, nine, DJ Brown, five, Greco Carrillo played out of his mind, um, 18, Mason Norberg. I mean, the list goes on. Um, but happy that those kids were able to uh, have the chance to take on the the, the added burden and uh, and showcase what they could do. Did the game play out? I mean, it was clearly a very different game than the first time you played Oak Ridge. So was that sort of the type of game you were expecting the second time around? I mean, I was. You know, Oak Ridge is a 
really, really well coached, especially defensively. Uh, they're sound. They're tough. They're physical. They don't let you. They don't let you hit big plays. The fact that we hit a couple of big plays on what looked to be a couple of miscues or broken coverages on on their half uh, or on their behalf the first time that was more surprising than uh, what we saw. You know, uh, last Friday night. Uh, you know, not to say that we got lucky the first time around, but we were definitely opportunistic and hit a couple of. It was a really tight competitive game, one score game until we hit. Two, two big plays on broken plays, one scramble broken, and the other one was a coverage breakdown and kind of put it out of hand in the third quarter. But, um, you know, fortunate to, to have that kind of separation the first time, but certainly wasn't expecting it the second time, just given how, uh, how well coached and sound they are. So as I mentioned above, you're, you're getting ready for another clash with the Spartans. I'm curious what it's like for you guys kind of being on the flip side of last year's scenario. You lost the regular season game against De La Salle and were able to kind of use that as a motivating factor and, and as an underdog card um, for that road game. This year's the reverse. You won a regular season. Now you're hosting and you have a, a celebrated program that's uh, hungry and angry and it's coming east. So what's what's uh, what's the vibe been like for you guys kind of being on that flip side of that this year? I mean, De La Salle is the standard in high school football, not just in Northern California, but all of California, not just California, but all of the United States. They're still that program. They've been that program. They'll continue to be that program. Um, and that's why we try to get them on the schedule every year when we can. We're fortunate enough to play them. I think that's helped us uh, immensely. We we're just talking about it at the end of practice with the coaches. You know, just being able to see that caliber of football player, that caliber of football coach early in the season helps us. Um and they took it to us last year in the fall in the regular season. I don't think there's any chance on earth that we beat them in the NorCal game if we hadn't played them earlier in the season. And so um, the more we play them, the better it is for our program. It makes us better. Um, and I think we, I think we proved the, I think we proved the uh, the old adage that it's impossible to beat a good team twice. <laughs> um, you know, we 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 proved that with Rockland in the section game last year, Ayla in the NorCal game last year almost came came to fruition with a Jesuit in the semifinals where we took a two-point conversion late to win it. So uh, definitely odds are against us. Um, I feel like they have all the momentum coming in off a of bye and a big open division section win uh, with their guys back a couple weeks ago against Pitt. So I was at the first meeting between you guys and the Spartans, and I remember that we talked after the game about your guys' resilience in all three phases of the game, and we also talked about that incredible first half of defense that your guys played. As you get ready for round two, what do you think is going to be different this time around, and what do you think the biggest key will be to duplicating that feat this week? Uh, I think the biggest thing for, for us, the biggest key, is going to be to sustain some kind of offensive production, momentum, whether it's points or whether it's time of possession or plays. Um, our defense is no secret, carried us all year, not just against De La Salle, but certainly against Pitt as well was a huge defensive effort. Section championship game was a huge defensive effort. Um, and, and those those kids can only do so much. We have got to carry our own weight on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so key for us is going to be able to sustain some drives, complete some passes, move the chains, run the ball, whether it be on the perimeter or inside, um, you know, try to take what the defense gives us, so to speak, because uh, we will not be able to impose our will on that defense. And so we're going to have to kind of play their game and and um, and kind of keep our defense off the field as best we can. 
I was at last year's NorCal final and uh, you guys came in with, I mean, no disrespect to, to Luke Derman of De La Salle, but you guys had, you had the guy behind center in that game in Tyler Tremaine. He ended up being our NorCal player of the year and he had a tremendous game, different quarterback for you this year. What have you seen from Austin uh, that is, that has you excited for his development and, and what are you looking for him of him in this game? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that gives us confidence is his progress. Um, he didn't play particularly well the first time around. He'd be the first one to tell you that. And and we we, we keep him incredibly grounded and humble here um, at Folsom. Just just with the proof is in the pudding. We watch the film, and there's a ton of areas uh, for growth. There's a ton of opportunities for improvement. He sees it, and we address it. We hold him accountable, and he continues to methodically kind of improve. I think he's playing better football this week than he was last. I think most people on the outside will say that I think he had seven touchdowns, I think, against Central Catholic and none against Oak Ridge. He played better against Oak Ridge than he did against Central Catholic. As far as we see it and the way he's running the offense and distributing the football, which is his job, um, and he's you know he's got a high ceiling. He's got a, he's got a chance to be really, really good, and there's a lot of room for growth, and he continues to make that growth. He's going to be a better quarterback in two years than he will be in two weeks. He'll be a better quarterback in 10 years if he's still playing. You know what I mean? He uh, He's got a lot. He's got a high ceiling, a lot of room for growth, and he so far has been been able to continue to make that progress. It's interesting that you refer the the specific guys you referenced from the Oak Ridge win because I'm thinking back to the first time you played against De La Salle, and the guys that I sought out for interviews after the game were Slade Wilson and Greco Carrillo. The, the and that was you know Mason was in his first game I believe as starter at tight end after Walker got hurt mm-hmm. previously. So these are guys that have you've seen evolve all year long, but they're your senior core. What does that group mean to you, especially in these big high pressure situations like this week? Yeah, you know I think I I I don't know where I heard it whether it was uh, in passing or on some interview after the game. They were talking to Greco about you know you know, the, the championship win, et cetera. And, and he took the words right out of my mouth and, and he meant it. It's like, Hey, we've been here before we've played in championship games before we've been zero, zero at halftime before we've been in tough dog fights before. And so we're used to it. You know, it was, I don't know what the score was at half against Oakridge. Was it three to nothing? Three or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, it's not their first time. I think, uh, I think that senior class with COVID, you know, they, they, they played Oakridge twice during COVID um, when they were the sophomores and Oak Ridge was senior heavy and very, very talented coming off a section championship win in 2019, where they had a, a bunch of guys back, you know, in 2021, of course, the, you know, a bunch of big games with, you know, hosting daylight at home, getting our teeth kicked in and making it to a semifinal game at Jesuit, making it to a section game against Rockland, making it to um, De La Salle for the NorCal game, making it to the state game. And then before we played Oak Ridge the first time around, we had played on the road at Pitt. We had played on the road. At, they, they played in 10 huge games. And so in a very short high school career, you know what I mean? And so that that experience, that, um, you know, that experience in and of itself kind of uh, carries this team and carries that those kids. Lastly, I, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you if you were happy to draw the Friday night regional slot so you could take in playoff football Hornet Stadium. On Saturday afternoon, say wait, say that again. <laughs> I was if you, we were, ha- if you were if you if you were happy to get the Friday night regional slot so that you could take in playoff football at Hornet Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Hundred percent, we're big fans of everything <laughs> they got going on over there. Obviously, the coaching staff yeah. primarily, but we got so many kids. We have 14, 15, 16 
former Folsom guys uh, on that team. We love watching them play. I think the most popular kid is probably Scataboo, not not a bulldog. You know what I mean? But our, our kids <laughs> love him. They they. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other people think of him or whatnot or in that program, but he's certainly popular on our campus playing lights out. That whole team is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we got a bunch of defensive guys uh, that lead our contingent. So seeing, you know, two, two Folsom Bulldog safeties, a Folsom corner, Folsom D lineman, Folsom linebackers. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of, and, and we wish them the best of luck Saturday. When you were, I mean, as, as for you as a coach, how excited do you get, I know seeing your your kids that have moved on, but but just for your colleagues like Troy Taylor and Chris Richardson and what they've done to to revive that program and that community. No, just the the success is is contagious. It's uh, it brings an incredible amount of uh, it brings an incredible amount of joy to to our community, our program to see you know because they they probably had a lot of doubters. You know what I mean? Being the high school guys going off and coaching in college and in such large quantities, like oh my gosh. <laughs> Coach Taylor's crazy. He's bringing four high school guys with him. You know what I mean? And um, and sure enough, fair enough. I mean, I think the the the, the critics were, uh, you know, uh, right to to question or whatnot. But seeing them win the same way they won here, the same process, the same uh, recipe with just hard work, practice, humility, staying hungry, attention to detail, fundamental football, being aggressive, playing great defense, aggressive on offense doing it with two quarterbacks, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is big time, big time stuff in the college football world. And um, just happy for them that they can kind of see it through and see their, their work pay off, uh, you know, decades in. I assume that, I assume that coach Taylor listens to us every week religiously. So (laughs) coach Taylor, let me address you specifically there. I know there's a big job opening at a PAC 12 school. You were, you're, you're a a green guy. Now you wore blue and gold in the past, my brother. It's not not worth it. He's locked in in on the Richmond spiders, brother. I could tell you that. Let's go. Uh, All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, But in case you're in the Sacramento area, you're in the Bay area. If you are anywhere within the radius of people that might listen to us, get to Folsom on Friday night. It is another chapter in the now lengthy history of great matchups between Folsom and De La Salle. Kickoff set for 730. Coach Doherty, thanks as always for spending a little time with us. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate it, Coach. Good luck. For sure, man. Thank you. A good conversation with Coach Paul Doherty. And now it's time to bring in a third member of our bunch. And the consultant who will be scheming against the Folsom Bulldogs this Friday night. This week, Coach Terry Edson talks about the big rematch and shares what NorCal playoff matchup he'd want to go see as a fan. Here we go. Let's listen in. We welcome Coach Terry Edson into the show. And the plan that I was given says that I'm to commend you for your baby bears defeating my fully grown bears in Memorial Stadium last Friday. I don't know how I feel about that, except to say that you stole our fight song. So the least you could have done was punt the game. Terry, how goes it today? We tried giving it away, Ben. I mean, we did our best, but unfortunately, we, despite our decision-making at times, we still won. <laughs> well, Coach, based on our texturing, it seems as though you were able to get in a decent amount of Thanksgiving football. And uh, listeners who were concerned for you after last week's wavering answer can rest easy. Uh, did you enjoy your holiday? Oh yeah, it was a great holiday. Got my daughter came off the ship of eleven months off her cruise ship. Got to come home. Got to see her for the first time in eleven months. She brought a friend from New York, and uh, 
went to Baltimore, of course, and uh, it really was a very nice Thanksgiving break. Took her up. She wanted to go to the wine country when she asked like a month ago. I go, you're nuts. But it was 72 degrees in Napa last <laughs> Wednesday. Incredible. I was um, the Uber driver, the designated driver. And uh, yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. And then one of her uh, friends from college was in uh, the Book of Mormon. So we went down to see her on uh, Saturday night to go see that. I've seen that show, but just to watch it again, it was great. Yeah, it's good times. I'm wondering what it would be like to get you. I'm envisioning a world where I've been out for a night out on the town and I call an Uber and you're the Uber driver that shows up. <laughs> Hold on. That's all I got to say, bro. Hold on. Oh, man. Well, um, the temperatures were unseasonably warm last week. We all noticed at our football game, respective football games, but it is NorCal week, which means the temperatures are taking another plunge. We may actually get some rain this weekend. Who knew that it rains in Northern California anymore? But because, Not on Friday, though. No, Friday's supposed to be okay. Yeah, that's right. Because it's NorCal week, that means that the game that we've been pointing to for pretty much most of the season is upon us. It is the rematch between De La Salle and Folsom in the one double A NorCal game sponsored by Energizer Batteries. <laughs> you only need one double A battery for this one. Uh, Terry, both uh, these teams appear to be a little banged up. We know Derek Thompson and Cooper Flanagan went out with injuries in the NCS Open final for the Spartans, but we also learned last week that Rico Flores is out with a foot injury for Folsom and Walker Lyons remains out. Uh, right. for Folsom as well. So with all that said, you say that I never give you an injury report. There's your injury report. <laughs> what is the key to victory in this one this week? Well, you know, I, I think uh, we played pretty good defense against Folsom last time. Um, and, you know, with uh, we got Chase Tofiano. And, I, and if anybody's watched us play the last couple of weeks, makes a huge difference on our D-line. And he made a huge difference as a junior uh, against them uh, last year. So uh, uh, there's no doubt about the, the the Spartans. I think defensively, we simplified things a little bit. We're playing much better defense. And so that's encouraging. So, I mean, obviously when you're playing Folsom, um, you know, keeping them in check is uh, – a real important step if you want if you want to beat Folsom. Whenever you're playing a team the second time around, you know the the first game, you know that's right now. I think what the Spartans are thinking, you know, look at the situation. I mean, for them at least, at one point we're three and three. Season seems hopelessly lost, and now <laughs> you're looking at everything that's gone wrong. It just, I mean, I'm not saying. But they, they took some grief along the way. But in the reality, it just didn't matter because what it comes down to is they got their they got their act together, and so that loss of Folsom doesn't matter. Uh, and this is the one that really does matter. And Folsom just the same thing to us last year, right? We beat them in the in the regular season, and they got us in the playoffs when it really matters. So. I think the Spartans are coming in with way more confidence. First of all, and I don't know, you know, uh, Folsom is, you know, the, you know what you're going to get from Folsom. The one thing about the Spartans, though, you, you we can definitely say, and you guys have seen as well as I do, we are a different team than we were when we played Folsom the first time around. 
There's just no doubt about it. And the main thing is I think our offense is much more settled. Uh, at that point, we we're still trying to find out, you know, who we were and what we can do. And I think we've gotten to a, a nice rhythm over the last few weeks. So um, we know that we're going to, you know, we know that Tua is going to be our quarterback. They're going to know Tua is going to be our quarterback too, but he offers a, a definite dim different dimension with his running ability out there. Um, we know we're not going to, we're not a great throwing team, but we weren't a great throwing team the first week around. But I think uh, Charles Greer has always been solid, but I think Derek Blanche has, has emerged as a, you know, as a back as the season has progressed. And Dominic Kelly is also is a guy that, you know, can come off the bench and, you know, can um, do some damage. Well, he's really improved, you know, in our offense as well. Um, I just think for us to win, we have to score. That's been, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, uh, like the Niners, you know, they, they have such a great defense. They really don't have to score. I was wondering if, you know, if anybody, I was wondering if Kyle Shanahan's going to say, does anybody have any good red zone plays? Please send them to us because we could use them. <laughs> don't but, start. Uh, <laughs> Chase will be here all day. <laughs> no, I, I, but I'm just saying that, you know, we, we, I think we just need to move the ball more consistently. I think, you know, I think, like I said, I think we can hang in there with them defensively. And so it's going to come down to now something that Folsom does well. Uh, they do block a lot of kicks. So, you know, they block punts, they block field goals. So we got to shore up on our, our special teams and make sure we don't give them a short field with a, with a blocked punt or a blocked field goal. So, well, or, you know, returning a field goal back or something like that. So that's going to be a big part of it. This is a, it's going to be a field position game. So as, as you remember last time, you know, we scored, spun the ball and ended up, you know, they ended up getting the ball at the 40, 45 yard line after we kicked off and it was a short field for them. So um, obviously special teams play a huge role just in the sense of, you know, if you can get something great off your special teams, that's the bonus. But you just don't want to give away field positions. For Delisal to win, got to get back to playing decent defense, getting some stops, and getting the ball without a long field. If we can do that, um, I like the Spartans' chances in second time around. There's no doubt about it. Coach, is there any sort of art that goes into preparing for a rematch, especially in a series where so many recent games have been so close? I mean, how much, how much do you watch film of your previous games against Folsom compared to maybe watching film of their most recent game? Well, you got to do both. So the first thing you're going to do is, and, and I'm something we had an advantage of is during that bye week, um, I, 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 I'm not saying they did this, but I'm pretty sure that because we had film of that game. So I'm sure they, they, they broke down, you know, the Pittsburgh game, and then they probably spent some time looking at all the mistakes we made at the Folsom game. The first time around so and, and that's what you always look at every time you play you know if you you know you have to you know, as coaches we were always very honest if we beat a team pretty handily the first time around and you know now you're playing them in like sometimes in north coast we'd be playing them like three weeks later and it's like you know you can't sit there and go okay things have changed i mean you just gotta say we got to continue on doing what we said we should win this game but this time around they can look at all the mistakes they made and you can talk to them about that, about if this game could have been different if we'd have done this, this, and that, and we have to change that around. So you got to look at, you look at the first game and say, what do we need to do differently? 
So that's that's the first time around you get to, you know, when you play a team like that, you can see all the things they did. Because let's look, if you're Folsom, right, you got to think if you're Del Sal, you're Folsom, they played pretty good defense against you. So you kind of know what they did. Why would they change up, you know? I mean, that would make right. no sense. They're going to do what they do. So what can we do to counteract what they did to us the first time around? And, in this, you know, and it's the same thing for Folsom, what mistakes that they make and what do we need to do differently this time around. Like I said, the, the different factors are there. It's kind of a different defense. That's the um, the one thing, the, the mystery of that is like, okay, they have different guys playing defense now. And we didn't see those guys the first time around. So I think that's a little bit of advantage for us that they don't really, you know, there's different guys out there on the field that they didn't see the first time around. So now our, for our guys, we're thinking, okay, well, we're a different defense than last time we saw them. And we are a different offense than last time they saw us. And I don't know if Folsom, I'm watching them, you know, they, they're kind of who they are. Right. So right. Uh, I think, that's a little bit can be for us, at least psychologically, that's a little bit of an edge, but you know, they also know that Folsom did win the game. So, you know, Folsom knows they can win the game. So that's an edge for Folsom. Oh, we've got this, uh, this Titanic matchup covered six ways from Sunday. So let's shift gears for a moment. You know, over the course of the season, we've talked about a number of teams that are are playing in NorCal games this week. And so I'm curious, if you weren't in your consultant's role and you had the chance to go see any of these other teams and games that are going on this week, heck, you actually do if you'd like to devote two nights to football this week. (laughs) Um, But are there any games that stand out that you'd like to see as a fan, whether it be Manteca, Pittsburgh, or Marin Catholic, SRV, or even Vanden, Bellerman could be well, a really good I, one. I would definitely um, love to um, – I, 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 know, I, know I don't know his name. I know you guys do. Uh, the kid that's going to Florida State from Manteca. That would be Thor, Blake Nicholson. <laughs> Blake Nicholson, right. I, I would think that when you have this, that kind of talent out on the field in high school that he'd be fun to watch. I would definitely like to watch him. And, and the fact that he's playing – I just talked to Vic last night. He was bragging about all the good moves he's made on our <laughs> fantasy team. And I said – and he, he told me he was playing. I went, oh, you got that Florida State kid, bro. Good luck. So I know <laughs> that uh, – I, I would definitely want to watch – I think that if to, for an individual, I'd like to watch him. I'd like to just get to see what what's going on over there with that kid. I'd love to watch him. Um and if I was thinking of a game, I think the interesting matchup is definitely Marine Catholic San Ramon. I think that's a great matchup. So um, if I was to watch a game, like, hey, who would you walk down the street to watch? That would be it for me. Yeah. Like Nicholson had six touchdowns and uh, and an interception against uh, against Granite Bay. Is that, that all? Final. Yeah, is that all right? They they would, but you would go see Terry. You'd go to that game and you would get so mad at Manteca's yeah. defense. Because no, so yeah, mad they, because they don't play any. Correct. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's they give up a lot. Of, I told Vic that. And I said they do give up points, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. We can uh, we can wrap this this segment up and uh, get ready for picks on on Thursday. But before we go, I'm curious, 
if you're still waging your war on Christmas, or if you're a little more lenient now that on the holiday cheers since uh, Thanksgiving has passed. Are you, Am is I waging now? my war on Christmas? Yes. What war have I waged on Christmas? You were, you were a bit put off by the lights and, and the Christmas carols last week. So now that we're past Thanksgiving, oh, is it no, okay? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I wage a war on Christmas in in October. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as soon as Thanksgiving is done, then Christmas, it's, it's here we go. Okay. I'm even getting my Christmas lights next week. So and a tree and all that. Yeah, I'm not screwed here. I'm I love Christmas. Just right. can we wait till Thanksgiving's <laughs> over though? I mean, I don't think that's asking too much. That's fair. The all right. Clark, the Clark Griswold of Concord. Yeah, that's right. That's me. <laughs> then we will uh be back on Thursday with uh with your picks from some of these big uh Norcal matchups. And uh we'll see you then. Okay, boys. See you then. All right. Always a good time talking to Coach Edson. How about you, Ben? Where do you draw the line on on Christmas uh, and holiday cheer? When 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 is it allowed to happen for you? <laughs> Don't ask the person that I live with this question because <laughs> she will she will contend that I have wanted to put the Christmas tree up since before Halloween. <laughs> I will say. We don't have a big enough place to justify giving getting the real tree in and out every year. So we have the small, like Charlie Brownish fake tree, but it it's up. <laughs> I mean good. Yeah. All right. We're very we're we're cheery around here. I believe Can't the Bryson. Tell? <laughs> I believe the Bryson tree will go up next weekend. Okay. So. Good. All Wait, right. Next weekend. No, it'll, it'll go up this weekend. Yeah. Okay. It'll probably go up on the fourth. Yeah. Uh, time for fun to read. Do you have an excuse for this week? Uh, I will not be doing this read this week on advice of counsel. <laughs> We're about to enter contract renegotiations and this will be on the table. <laughs> now I may be willing to cave on this point. If I get what I want, I, I want scheduling control, like full <laughs> scheduling control. And I want your private parking spot on school street. It's, <laughs> it's a big off season at seven Friday night. People, you don't know. Fine. Here we go. We'd like to thank Folsom coach Paul Doherty one last time for joining us and offer our usual gratitude toward coach Edson for making his weekly drop in. We build seven Friday night using anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, breaker pocket casts, and radio public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for seven Friday night and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episodes there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at SportsStarsPods, and you should also be following SportsStars Magazine at, at SportsStarsMag. That's also where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our theme music was produced and performed by Dustin Phillips. And that will do it. I hear you have some lengthy final thoughts. Let's get into it. Final thoughts. I'm enjoying this segment more and more. (laughs) I hope people listen all the way to this point. Uh, Okay, first, I think we are in for a fun final couple of weeks. I poo-pooed it earlier, (laughs) but I want to be very clear uh, that I'm looking forward to these next two weeks. The old sports adage is that the semifinals are actually always harder than the finals because you never want to be that team that got to the doorstep and didn't walk through. So 
We are in for some incredibly high stakes football this week, and we will see how it all shakes out. Uh, next up, one thing I want to touch on is our friend Patrick Walsh, who has gotten some buzz as a potential candidate for the modern day head coaching job vacated with the retirement of Bruce Rawlinson. A couple of media outlets, Scorebook Live, Bay Area News Group, etc., have talked about it. So Darren Sabedra asked Patrick specifically about it, and Patrick gave the standard, I love Sarah, reply. That is fair. And I know he does love Sarah. And no, I don't think he's going to be the next head coach of the Monarchs. But here's what I want to say about that. Let's say I'm a high-profile team with a recent history that maybe isn't so pleasant off the field, and I need a new coach who I know does it the right way, a coach that runs a program with the type of culture that's respected by anyone and everyone who's seen it in action. Maybe this isn't where he's at with his life and career, and you got to respect that, but Patrick deserves that phone call because above all else, you know he'd do it the right way. That is the respect that Coach Walsh has earned. And I just wanted to – I was I was tickled reading this uh, stuff. It's, I, you never really know if there's any validity to stuff like this. And credit to Darren for calling Patrick and asking him straight up. And credit to Patrick for answering it very clearly, as he always has. But, I mean, come on. A big Catholic <laughs> school program? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no-brainer. Who's doing that better than him? Um <laughs> So let me end on a lighter note. Coach Edson texted us over the weekend an article that talked about the 78 Division <laughs> I recruits that played in last week's St. John Bosco Modern Day game. Seven, eight. That is a lot. So I've been having some fun with it in my head. What if Campolindo, who's ticketed to move up to D1 in the North Coast section next year, were to play one of those teams? Chase, what would Coach Macy say in the pregame interview? Oh man, he um I would venture to say that uh he would say something to the fact that he just hopes nobody dies tonight. Dies, <laughs> there it is, yes. No fatalities tonight. <laughs> yeah. These yeah. are the things that run through my head. Anyway, those are my random thoughts. I will see you all on a sideline this weekend. If you could hold off the rain on Saturday, that'd be kind of cool because then I could go to a game. I'm pretty weak in my old age, and I don't do games in the rain anymore. Referencing my contract status again. (laughs) Uh, And Friday, if you see me drinking a milkshake at Fat Apples or in line to get some snacky cakes and cheesy poofs at the 7-Eleven on the corner of Ashbury and Fairmont, well, please do say hello. If you know, you know. All right, and that will wrap us up. We'll be back on Thursday for more pick shenanigans. We're we're changing up the draft again. I and- don't. When <laughs> I'll talk about it Thursday in my disgust <laughs> for having to script that out, I just said you pick, and we will. So we'll we'll talk to you then. Pittsburgh is like a a long lost lover. <laughs> Never to be seen again. <laughs>